This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Napa know-how. Right now, Napa Legend batteries come with a $15 rebate by mail. Their long-lasting durability stands up to extreme conditions. So even on scorching days, it'll puff its chest out and be all like, hey, summer heat, find another car battery to drain. Napa Legend batteries with $15 mail-in rebate. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Offer expires 8 31 Log Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Matt Kanata, MC, your host. And I am joined by Sutton and House. It's the three, I don't know, we need to come up with a nickname, guys. Well, going 2017 season, we need to come up with a nickname. That intro really just cut short right there because I couldn't think of anything to say because we don't have a nickname for ourselves. And I was going to say, I don't know what I was going to say, but, you know, that's why I just stopped. I just stopped right in the middle of that. Kind of like, Kind of like what happened to Matt Moore, who got stopped when he was running to throw the pass, and then boom! Got nailed by Bud Free. What an awful, awful hit that was, huh? Oh, God, he yeah. got crushed. I mean, right yeah, under so, the chin. So that's our off-season goal, guys. We will figure out a nickname. And if you guys are in a live thread right now, please write down a nickname that you have for us. Has to start with three and then something <laughs> after that. It can be rated R. They could have. Don't curse, though. Don't curse. But... Because we don't we don't want to have to ban you from the live thread. Be gentle. Just take in mind how cool we are, how how nice we are to each other, and how much <laughs> insight we provide on a weekly basis, and how our podcasts are always suitable for work. Um, you know, this is going to get ugly. Just let it ride, guys. In the live thread, we will we may just pick a nickname before the end of the night is over if we get enough suggestions in the live thread. So. Let's see what you guys got. And girls, if you're listening, uh, who knows who knows who's listening to us? Uh, my mom is, my, bro- my brother, my wife is not. She hates this. Um, but hey, it is what it is. Anyways, we are going to, before we really kick things off today, just observe a moment of silence for the Dolphin season, which is over. 
coming to a crashing halt in Pittsburgh. And what a mess scene that was. And we're not going to spend too much time on it because, listen, it's the end of the season. It's the last game. No matter how much we analyze to see this loss, things are going to change in just a matter of weeks when free agency begins or when the draft takes place. So there's really no point in analyzing to figure out, you know, what went wrong, how they can fix it, because they're going to fix it by adding new players. They're going to fix it by getting rid of new players. But that's just the thing. But like I said, let's observe a quick moment of silence to the Dolphins season. We ask that you read, please stop writing right your heads remember the dolphin season. Okay, we're back. How do you guys feel? Did you feel sad? Very sad. Uh, and how about you? Yeah, it was such a bittersweet end to the season, just considering how much we had to overcome along the way. But at the end of the day, you have to respect the fact that we have the youngest coach in the NFL who got us into the playoffs unexpectedly in his first year, has an excellent resume so far, a young team that just got to the playoffs, a young team that just got playoff exposure. Possibly this loss might catapult this franchise farther than a win could have. Um, by that, I mean we're going to be more driven to get back to where we were. Hopefully that's what we see. But that's uh, that's a thought there. Wow. You got really deep with that, Sutton. I really appreciate you, know, I've been, you I've going... Been, I, I'm, a, I'm a reflective person, MC Money, so I've been really reflecting on the season. You know, I all, think, I wanted, uh, all I wanted to hear was a yes or no answer, and you went all in <laughs> on this and, and really just poured your heart out there just now. You know, sometimes I'm feeling sentimental. Maybe it's some empathy, pregnancy feelings I'm having or something. Are you pregnant? Perhaps we should move on. Okay, we will move on. And, you know, when I was <laughs> observing that moment of silence, I was a little bit sad too. And I hope you in a live thread, um, you may have been sad as well. All right, let's, let's go on to real stuff here. Uh, Vance Joseph interviewed today with the Denver Broncos. Several years ago when they were interviewing Gary Kubiak for the head coaching position, they also interviewed Vance Joseph, who was then at the second coach with Cincinnati Bengals. John Elway, executive vice president of football operations over in Denver, if that's his title, but he's something close to that, was extremely impressed with Vance Joseph at that time. He was so impressed, in fact, that had Gary Kubiak not got a head coaching job, uh, had Gary Kubiak said he didn't want it because Gary Kubiak was their first choice, John Elway was going to hire Vance Joseph for the coaching position. Straight out of being a position coach, they were going to make the big jump because they were impressed that much. Now today, fast forward two years with Gary Kubiak unexpectedly retires due to health concerns, and they have open. And John Elway, remembering that Vance Joseph had a very impressive interview just a few years ago, calls Vance Joseph up again and says, we want you to come back and talk to us. So today, that's what happened. Vance Joseph interviewed with the Denver Broncos formerly for about four hours, a standard head coach about four hours. But if things get serious, if things start going really well, that can obviously extend six to eight hours into the evening hours and sometimes late at night. I remember hearing a story just a few weeks ago. I have a college coach who uh, ended his interview at like 3 a.m., 3, 4 a.m. And 
you know, they, they can really get into the nitty gritty details between negotiating the contracts at the end and just really you're making a multi-million dollar investment in your franchise. And really that head coach is the most important investment you can make. We've all seen the damage that can be done. If you bring in the wrong head coach, it takes years to recover. Adam Gase coming in after Joe Tobin, who came in after Tony Sparano, who came after Cam Cameron, who came in after Nick Saban, who came in after Dave Wansley, who came in after Jimmy Johnson, who came in after Don Shula. And that is a long list of coaches. And if you just really look at that list really quickly, you got Jimmy Johnson, who made the playoffs with Dan Marino. You got Dave Wansley, who rode the coattails of Jimmy Johnson and made the playoffs, but really couldn't get over that hump. Then you had um, Dave Wanstead. No. Nick Saban, right? Nick Saban came after Dave Wanstead. Nick Satan. Nick Saban, yeah. Nick Saban came in and was an absolute jerk to everybody and players like little children. Nick Saban left and Cam Cameron came in and that was a complete disaster. Traded away Wes Walker for two second round picks, I think it was. And then after Cam Cameron, when Isaiah got really upset and said, we're doing our entire front office, brought in Bill Parcells, who picked Jake Long over Matt Ryan. Let that sink in for a few minutes. Um, Tony Sperano, you know, everyone thought he was the hero after making the playoffs first season and going from worst to first. We'll touch on that in a little bit. And then after Tony Sperano left, you brought Joe Philbin, who is supposedly the architect of the Green Bay Packers offense, which you obviously know is now not true. And then now Adam Gates. And just think how many players have left the Dolphins, how many players got traded away, how many players did not come because of the coaching staff. You look at Vontae Davis, you look at Sean Smith, you look at those guys who could still be on the Dolphins today and the Dolphins could really be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, if you think of Davis and Sean Smith, imagine them right now on opposite sides of the field. Um, absolutely unbelievable talent they both have. And the Dolphins could have one of the best defenses in the NFL, top five, I think, with those two cornerbacks on the outside. So really, it's, it's just a whole cycle and that head coach position is an important hire. But let me get back to our first thought with Vance Joseph there. Kyle Shanahan, who is well-regarded in league circles and has that explosive offense in Atlanta, you see Matt Ryan having a career year under Kyle Shanahan. And it's no, it's no coincidence that that's because Kyle Shanahan is there. So John Elway's thinking maybe this guy can do what he did uh, in Atlanta to our offense in Denver. But you got to kind of look at it and think, you know, if John Elway was suppressed with Vance Joseph two years ago, what has changed? If he was going to make Vance Joseph his head coach a few years ago, what has changed? That Vance Joseph uh, will not or will get the Denver Broncos. Skeptical that he won't get the job, which means he will get the job in my eyes. And I really think it's just a matter of time before the Denver Broncos make the announcement. Vance Joseph may have said, you know, I still want to go to San Diego tomorrow. I want to go to San Francisco on Thursday. I want to talk to the Rams on today and really just, you know, make sure that I'm doing the right thing here. Because if you look at Vance Joseph, he really doesn't have any pressure to make a decision within the next few days. Because if Kyle Shanahan is their number two guy, which is widely expected, they can't out Kyle Shanahan until the playoffs or until the Falcons have been eliminated. Of course, they can make the wink-wink, nod-nod deal. But if Vance Joseph knows he's the Broncos' first choice, then he has plenty of leverage to kind of sit there and wait out a little bit. So I've talked enough. Houts and Sutton, I'm going to hand this over to you. Sutton, we'll start with you with Vance Joseph first. Do you think he goes to the Denver Broncos? He does to the Denver Broncos. How much of a loss do you think that is for the Miami Dolphins? Houts, when Sutton's done, I want you to follow up with your opinion. 
Well, I, I, a, a tremendous opportunity for Vance Joseph, and kudos for him. We're not used to having coordinators leave us for other promotions, so um, good for him. Um, I do think it's a sign that Adam Gase knows how to build a staff, too, that he was able to snag one of the hottest coaching names to be our defensive coordinator. So I think that has to give us also a breath of relief that whoever we name as the next defensive coordinator is going to be worthy of that position. From what I've seen, it looks like linebacker coach Matt Burke, he seems to be really well-respected internally, but uh, maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, But Vance Joseph does seem to be the front runner for the Broncos job. And I, I thought maybe he could have benefited from one more year, maybe developing a young defense, but, uh, Kudos to him that he's able to accomplish that before the fact. Yeah, I mean, what Vance Joseph did with this defense this year, I mean, we saw the injuries coming into the year. We thought our secondary was going to be a huge area of weakness, not to say that it wasn't, but, I mean, what he did with Byron Maxwell and Tony Lippett and Xavier Howard earlier in the year, I mean, the, the defense there for a little bit, it looked like the secondary is one of our strong suits, and, I mean, heading into the year, that was our huge area of weakness. So, I mean, you got to agree. I mean, he's 44 years old, so Vance Joseph, he's on on the way up. I mean, you like what Denver does, has on defense. The, the pieces are there, and, I mean, it would, it would kind of hurt to see perhaps Wade Phillips leave there if, if Vance Joseph gets that job, or maybe they'll even decide to retain him. But, I mean, for Denver, it would be a huge opportunity and a huge get to have Vance Joseph as their next head coach. Uh, for what it does for Miami, like you said, I believe Burke's going to be up promoted to defensive coordinator, and Linebacking hasn't really been our strong suit this season, but he seems to be well-respected, and I I trust Adam Gates to build the staff and to put the right pieces in place. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point as well. uh, Adam Gates knew that Vance Joseph was going to be a head coach within the next two years, so it's just a matter of time. I think a lot of people in Miami thought that it would be two years before he left. I know I certainly thought it was going to be two years. But listen, if it's Denver Broncos job isn't open, Vance Joseph probably is here another year. And it's just the way the cards were dealt here. And if Vance Joseph doesn't get that Denver job, uh, if they go in those directions, which it would be a surprise, uh, then he will probably stay here. Right off the press right now from Pro Football Talk, speaking of head coaches, the Bills, the Buffalo Bills are zeroing in on Sean McDermott, defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. And I'm, I, I Sean McDermott, uh, you know, was still in the playoffs and the Dolphins didn't want to wait around. And of course, I love Adam Gase. I think they made the right move, but I am a big fan of Sean McDermott, and I think that will be a great hire for the Buffalo Bills, a scary hire because I do think the world of Sean, and I think he's going to be a great NFL head coach. But again, with the Buffalo Bills, you know, they had a strong defense on their own. They had a bad offense on the Rex Ryan, and now they might have the same with their Sean McDermott, so we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Anyways, uh, you mentioned Matt Burke who will be presumably presumably the next defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins if Vance Joseph leaves. The only way that doesn't happen is if Adam Gates has a change of heart and there is one on the market that he cannot refuse. A lot of people say Wade Phillips. The problem with Wade Phillips, guys, he runs a 3-4, so the Dolphins really have to revamp the entire person on the defensive side of the football. Now, you could say they need to revamp their side anyways, which you can argue with, yes, because a lot of players, do need to be upgraded, but the reality is it's a lot harder than what it seems like you can possibly do. Plus, they have Andamakan Sue, 
played a 4-3 his entire uh, college and pro career. So really messing with him wouldn't be the smartest idea. It would probably take him quite a bit, a few months to adjust to it. Technically, the Dolphins could move on from Ndamukong Sue after the next season with a uh, bigger net cap game than they would have dead money. But really, I don't think you want to do that to one of the best players in the NFL and really confuse him there. Now, Matt Burke is a very intelligent guy. He came from Cincinnati. He was a linebacker's coach before that. He worked with the Tennessee Titans. He is the ultimate definition of a grinder. He wasn't handed anything when he became a coach and, a, and an assistant. Um, he started at the very bottom of the ladder, and he has uh, systematically worked his way up. Adam Gates confides in him a lot as far as game plan and getting ready for the game plan and really just trusting him and his, his uh, instincts and his knowledge of the game. Adam Gates is very with Matt Burke in that regard. I talked to someone who was close to the team earlier this week about Matt Burke, and here's what I said. Matt Burke is a very smart and thoughtful guy. However, there are concerns over what his system would look like. He's a Jim Schwartz guy, means one game, which uh, this guy said he couldn't hate more. So what is a one-gap on a 4-3 defensive front? Basically, a one-gap technique is mainly found out of a 4-3 front. When a defensive lineman has a one-gap responsibility, he attacks a hole and must take care of whatever happens in that gap he is assigned. He's expected to tackle any running back who goes through that hole or to force the running back laterally into the arm of the other tackler. If the offense is passing, the defender's gap is his route to the quarterback. A one-gap technique requires a defensive player to take on his man and occupy that space. One-gap defenders, they're generally smaller, quicker, and better pass rushers than two-gap technique defenders. One-gap defensive schemes are typically used in blitzes and or definite pass rush situations. If the offense has a strong passing attack, a one-gap scheme is more effective getting pressure on the quarterback. Defensive tackles in a one-gap scheme are smaller, keep that in mind, and can penetrate to the offensive backfield more often. In a one-gap defensive scheme, defensive linemen tend to get more sacks and tackles than two-gap defensive linemen. Keep in mind, a 4-3 front can run a two-gap scheme or a combination of one-gap and two-gap, but what I've been told is Matt Burke is a one-gap guy. I hope everybody was able to follow along with that. What it basically also means is you probably have seen the end of the wide nine in Miami if Vance Joseph moves on. So what do you guys think? How Did all that make sense to you? You heard the words smaller defensive linemen in there, guys who are going to get at the uh, quarterback and really rush the passer. Sounds like a guy like Ndamukong Sue, but in terms of Earl Mitchell, someone like Jordan Phillips who can really get at the quarterback um, what do you think that means for the defensive line moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that this team would absolutely could could use. I mean, we've had trouble. You saw in that game against Pittsburgh, we, we got zero pressure on Roethlisberger. So, I mean, quicker, faster defensive linemen would definitely help out. Uh, but, again, it's the uncertainty that comes with Burke. We see the linebacking core that he put in place. Yes, he didn't really have anybody to work with. I mean, Kiko Alonso, Koamisi got hurt earlier in the year, Jelani Jenkins. So, I mean, it's really just going to depend on what the what the team brings in in the offseason because, I, as I said before, I think defense should be the number one priority this offseason. And uh, if that's the kind of system Matt Burke plans, uh, intends to put in place, I think the Dolphins need to start uh, bringing in free agents immediately. <clears throat> now, he talked about the defensive linemen. Now, in terms of the linebackers, the linebackers were very weak this year, and the Dolphins want to go Alonzo to the outside. 
They want to bring in two more linebackers to replace Cole Amici and Jelani Jenkins because they think Jelani Jenkins will be a backup now if Jelani accepts that. So in your terms of linebackers that they can get, Kiko to move to the outside. I mean, linebacker and their other outside linebacker. So your thoughts on what that means for the linebackers for Miami in terms of one-gap techniques, you know, really staying in their lanes and their holes and really filling them up nicely. What are your thoughts on what they need to do with the linebacker position because they were absolutely gashed against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Defensive linemen, too, actually. Yeah, and it's, you have to give credit to Le'Veon Bell the way he runs the ball, though. I mean, he has a very unique style that I think would give any linebacker unit fits, and clearly he did damage uh, against us. So um, not excusing our, our linebacker play, but, yeah, Jelani Jenkins does seem more as a backup-type linebacker at this point. I was really disappointed. I was hoping Neville Hewitt would develop this year. He seemed to get ample opportunities, and and he, he seemed to make more plays the year before than he did this year, and I was hoping that was going to be vice versa. So it was disappointing to not see him develop. I was thinking he could have been a, a quality weak side outside linebacker for us, but it looks like we're going to need to upgrade that position as well. But in terms of run defense, we have to get a middle linebacker. That seems to be uh, the, the prevalent thought going forward that, Watching Kiko Alonso play this year as a middle linebacker, yes, he made some plays, but he was also overmatched in some scenarios, and it seemed like his skill set might be more well-suited as a weak side linebacker. So looking early at a middle linebacker would not be um, against the Dolphins fans' will at this point because it seems like uh, the trajectory is going that direction that we're all looking at that middle linebacker that can cover space. You know, if you're talking one gap defensive linemen that are penetrating certain areas, then you're going to need a middle linebacker to cover all those other areas that are being exposed. So um, having a middle linebacker that can cover some ground, that would uh, be beneficial for us going forward. Right. And the thing with the Dolphins linebackers, I mean, looking at their depth chart now and looking at who's a free agent, you got Cole Amici who's probably not coming back and they're going to save money there. Donald Butler is a free, free agent. Spencer Pacing was a free agent. Jelani Jenkins is a free agent. So, really, you got on the roster right now Kiko, Michael, and Neville Hewitt, and Trevor Riley. Out of those guys, Kiko's the only starter. So, you look at the options where Kiko might play. You know, you got the Sam, which is basically the left outside linebacker. They line up on the strong side of the line of scrimmage, usually across from the tight end. And they don't need to be as fast in coverage because they're right there on the tight end. usually takes the tight end out of the, out of the passing route. Uh, the will linebacker, which is the right outside linebacker, they're often in coverage. They need to be fast because they're running across the field. Now, you kind of look at Kiko, you say he's fast, but Kiko's not great in coverage. So my thought would be he'd be the same linebacker with the left outside linebacker position. You get that middle linebacker, you get that weak side, weak side linebacker to fill in there. The one gap, remember, very simple. Everyone has their lane, and that's it. There is no thinking. You know what lane you're attacking? That's going to be your lane. You fill it in and it's basically winning your matchup from there. So if Matt Burke is promoted to defensive coordinator, uh, we should expect to see that in Miami. Now, a lot of people on Twitter are saying Vance Joseph got torn up in, in the last few games, and especially in the playoffs, his defense wasn't good. Um, listen, guys, Vance Joseph made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. Um, he was really out of answers the last few weeks of the season because he had no good players to really run his scheme. And after a certain point, 
point and say next man up, next man up, next man up. But when you have two of your starting safeties down and you're really down to a guy you signed up the street at the beginning of the season, it's really, really hard to you keep things going and hide them. Uh, the more film that's on them, the harder it is for you. So to change the culture in Miami on the defensive side of the football, he held players accountable. He's lost for the Dolphins, but Adam Gase is his coaching staff in a way where you can have a guy like Matt step up and continue the defensive side of things and really get that continuity going, which is, of course, the ultimate goal with any coaching staff, not just in Miami. All right, that is enough about Vance Joseph. We'll see what happens there. I'm sure next Tuesday we will have an answer on whether he is staying or going. Uh, selfishly, I hope he stays. I know I am excited about what Matt Burke can bring to the table in terms of defense. But I do think the defense can benefit from another year of and really the defensive staff as a whole. All right, let's flip over to the live threat, Sutton and House. Let's alternate back and forth between the two of you. Any questions we have going on in there? Uh, out here. Yeah, here we go. It's Agent J78. I know we have a long ways to go until the new season but I have a free agency question. If the Dolphins can only target one position in free agency, would we better look at defensive end or linebacker? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, for me, I, free I think agent, I'm going to go. Let me just – yeah, go ahead. You answer it, and no. I'll tell you what the Dolphins plan to do with that. I was going to say I'd probably go linebacker. You know, I looked over the list. I see uh, Dante Hightower, Paul Warlow. We got Mont- Monty Teo. I mean, there's some guys on there that, that – relatively good players, but for me, I think I'd, I'd definitely go Dante Hightower. It'd be nice to pry him away from New England. I know he's only yeah. 26 years old, and he'd pretty much be the, exactly what we need in the middle of the defense, so I, I think that's kind of the name I would look at. So what the Dolphins plan to do in a free agency is they really plan to attack the defensive side of the ball. I know it's easy to say they're going to attack defensive and defensive tackle line, but they really are, but in terms of the draft, I think they're really going to hit the linebacker and free agency hard. And then in the draft, they're going to look at defensive end in the first round and possibly add another one. They do like Andre Branch, but they want to bring Andre Branch in as a back. They do not want to pay him starter money. They will not pay him starter money. So we'll see how that goes. Of course, Andre Branch wants to get paid just like every other NFL player. In terms of depth out there at defensive end, linebacker, and such in free agency, there's much more depth in the linebacker position. You've seen Neville Hewitt, who can fill in from time to time, here on the defensive side of the ball, if one of those signings don't work out, um, but I do expect the Dolphins to attack linebacker and free agency, look at defensive end, and then attack that more in the draft. Sutton, what else? Daytona Dolphin says uh, O-line depth should be on the list as well, just wondering who's going to be sent down the road to get us some more money. You know, Mm -hmm. Mario Williams is an obvious cap casualty at this point. You're looking at Koamis. Even possibly four point two ish million dollars, maybe Earl Mitchell at four million. Um, it's kind of hard to tell at this point, but O line depth certainly. I think we're going to go after a guard at the very least in free agency. Um, it, it would be nice to not spend a first round pick on an offensive lineman this year. I think the interesting debate will be what to do with Albert. A, do we keep him? B, do we keep him at left tackle? You know, it's it's interesting to see what they're going to decide with Tunsil going forward because you didn't really hear his name called this year. So you have to give kudos to a young man for playing out of position and playing at a fairly high level since he was 
not really recognized for sucking, so that was a good thing. So if uh, they're going to be able to play Tunsil at left tackle, do they? Does does Albert go back to left guard peacefully? Does he take a a, a contract cut? We'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. All right, I do think they'll ask Mike Pouncey to take a pay cut. I do think they'll ask Brandon Albert to take a pay cut, but we could see the Dolphins move on from Albert, start the Tunsil experiment at left tackle, and start that new chapter and then look at left guard and right guard in either free agency or the draft to figure out what they're going to do there to replace those two guards because they need real true guards, not tackles playing the guard position. Houts, what else do we have? Yeah, touching on Pouncey and uh, the guard position, Wild Zion Beaver asked, I would like to see Pouncey move the guard where you're in all pro numbers. Not sure if you need to draft a center or not. What does anyone think? Uh, Again, I think it all comes down to whether or not Pouncey and as well as Albert, uh, decided to take a pay cut. And then which one of those guys uh, the team feels is best fit at guard? Uh, I'm not quite sure you move Pouncey there yet because then you got to find a center. But, I mean, it all comes down to what the team plans on doing in free agency in the draft. So, for me, it's, it's hard to say. But I do think both players need to take a pay cut if they plan on staying with Miami. Absolutely. We got something from Wild Zion Beaver who That's was – a very famous Fen Sider for a very long time. He's been in and out for a little bit, but it's good to see Ronnie back. His question is, two cornerbacks and a safety might also need to be drafted. Uh, Going into last year, I think we were saying that, but seeing how Lippitt has developed and thinking that Maxwell will likely stay with the team next year, and with the investment in Xavier Howard, it looks like cornerback becomes less likely. Uh, we could certainly use some competition for Bobby McCain in the, in the slot corner. So that's a possibility there. I don't know how high we would invest in that. Um, safety is also another possibility because uh, Abdul Kadus could be released with some cap savings if we decide to go that route. But that seems to be creating a hole that's not really there right now. So it would seem to be more likely that we go front seven as opposed to the secondary. All right. Let me jump over to Twitter and we get some questions from our buddy, Rob. Um, Let's see what he is asking here. All right. He didn't ask any. Wow. I'm disappointed in you, Rob. Wait, Bob Carruth didn't ask anything? Nothing. He he tweeted me earlier today, and I'm getting my questions ready for tonight. And I just – and this is really sad. There is not one question from Rob there. Well, now he knows how vital he is to this show because we're just, like, shutting down, basically. Are we getting ready to go to the end of the show now? Because he he didn't ask anything. We're like, like, no! Yeah, we we rely on Rob to fill about 30 minutes of our show based off 50 questions. And (laughs) there's absolutely nothing there. So we're just going to talk for 10 minutes about absolutely nothing. No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) We have any more questions in the live thread, guys? I don't see anything, bro. Yeah, not that I see. All right. The live thread is very active tonight, by the way. Uh, we have no, over, one nickname. Let's see. Over 77 comments or 67. I don't know how to add uh, over 67 comments right now. So that is our friends in the live thread. It is always lit AF. 
in the Finsider Radio live thread on the Finsider.com. If you're listening and you're not in there, you need to get in there and make some noise with us. Don't be afraid to talk. We won't bite. And, of course, if you want to call into the show, you can call us at 347-326-9461. Again, that's 347-326-9461. So the plan is to stay on the air during the off-season. We will be going to a much shorter show in the off-season. Starting next week, we'll be keeping our show about 30 minutes long compared to about 45 to 60 minutes, which we've been doing the past several weeks, more so an hour. This episode will be 45 minutes. We've got about 15 minutes left. But starting next week, we'll go 30 minutes for each episode. Each week, we'll still be here on Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As we get closer to the draft and free agency, we'll up our show a little bit to 45 minutes to an hour. But then in those periods where we have lulls and really not a whole lot to talk about, we will keep it at 30 minutes. And if we go over 30 minutes, then we go over 30 minutes because it's just that great. If we keep it to 30 minutes, then that's just how it's going to be. All right, boys, let's talk about the playoffs, uh, the rest of the NFL playoffs. And this Saturday, we got the Texans at the Patriots, and we have the Seahawks at the Falcons. On Sunday, we have the Cowboys with the Packers, and we also have the Chiefs versus the Steelers. Sutton, who are your picks this weekend? And then further down the road, what is your Super Bowl pick? Oh, put me on the spot first. I was hoping you're going to pick out. Um, I got to go Patriots, obviously, with that first game. I got to go with Steelers just because I'm that type of fan that wants to lose to the eventual Super Bowl winner. And I also think that Pittsburgh would probably put some more unique demands on New England. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh there, hoping that Pittsburgh ends up uh, being the Super Bowl um, representative for the AFC. And then in the NFC, man, that that Cowboys-Packers game is just delicious. I don't know what to do about that game. The Cowboys have played so well this year. Aaron Rodgers seems to be just – carrying the Packers at a different level right now. And it's really hard to go against Aaron Rodgers, and it's really hard to go against Dallas. So that that game is going to be incredible. I'm going to have to go with the home team there and go with the Cowboys. Um, But I look for that to be one of those epic playoff games that we uh, remember for a while. I do think it's – sorry, go ahead. No, I was telling some of my coworkers today that I think the Packers-Cowboys game can be the best game of the entire playoff this year. Yeah, I mean, just just on paper, you look at all the matchups there all across the board, all the names there. Um, be interesting to see Jordy Nelson coming back, if he's able to play at his usual level. I know he's having some problems with his ribs. So without him, it makes – Green Bay's offense a little more limited, so we'll again we'll see how that game goes. I, I'm going to go ahead and stick with my prediction of the Cowboys, but yeah, going to be an incredible game. And then Atlanta in that game, I like Atlanta in this game, and I think uh, I think they're a team that's playing at a with a different sort of mindset this year. So I'm going to go Atlanta and Dallas in the NFC Championship. Going to take Dallas there. Not take Pittsburgh winning at all. All right. Uh, how, how about you? 
All right. I mean, I agree with both of you. This weekend's games, I'm I'm giddy for. I mean, the Dolphins are out, which sucks, but I mean, now we can just sit back and enjoy football. Other than that Pats game, which should be a, a blowout, I got the Pats beating the Texans pretty easy. Uh, that Cowboys-Packers game, like you both said, it's got yeah, a heavyweight title match. That could be one of the best games that we've seen in years. Uh, I'm going to go with the upset there. I'm, I think Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, I think that Dak maybe is uh, – his lack of experience could come to play. I mean, I know you can give the ball to Zeke 20, 30 times a game and have success, but I, I think the Packers might pull that upset out. Um, I'm like Sutton. I, I would like to see the Steelers, if they do continue to play the way they are, to, to run the table and win the Super Bowl just to, to say that we lost to the champion. But uh, living in central Pennsylvania, Steelers fans are everywhere. I hate the Steelers. I have my whole life, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs there. And then uh, the Falcons over the Seahawks in an upset. Uh, for me, the Super Bowl – uh, as much as it hurts me to say it, I think uh, Packers, Pats in the Super Bowl, and uh, I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm, I think Aaron Rodgers, like I said, is playing unbelievable football right now. Uh, they're starting to fire on all cylinders, and that's a team I'm rooting for from here out. Yeah, and for me, before the season started, I, I think the Steelers and the Cardinals will be in the Super Bowl. So my AFC pick is going to continue to be the Steelers. I'm going to pick the Steelers over the Chiefs. I would love the Texans to be Patriots. I just don't see it happening. The uh, Texans, I don't think, have the offense to catch up and keep up with the Patriots unless the Texans absolutely shut down Tom Brady, which I don't see happening. So I think the Texans win there. I think the Seahawks lose to the Falcons. I, I Even though the Seahawks are at home, their offense has struggled quite mightily this season. And even though they put up a lot of points against Detroit, all of it was done in the second half, and they really got off to a slow start. They can't afford to do that against the Atlanta Falcons because the Atlanta Falcons are red hot throughout the entire game. Majority of the time. We look at the other game where we um, already said the Steelers and you got the Packers and the Cowboys. And the Packers are red hot right now. They're going inside on turf. I know they're not going to be with Jordy Nelson most likely. And if they are, he's going to be playing hurt. But Packers on turf scare me. Um, they should scare a lot of people. And like both of you said, Aaron Rodgers is playing absolutely out of his mind right now. I'm going to pick the Packers over the Cowboys. I'm going to pick Packers versus the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Uh, we got a throwback Super Bowl. And I think, <clears throat> I think the Packers will win it. I think they're just too hot right now, and uh, they have all the momentum on their side. So we'll see how the playoffs shape out. It does suck the Dolphins aren't in anymore. But realistically, when the season started, all of us said we don't expect them to make the playoffs. When they uh, started off 1-4, to we were all talking about the draft, how quickly the Dolphins would pick. Uh, if they'd pick in a quarterback, and then they turned it around. It was one hell of a season, an exciting ride, a thrilling ride up and down. The Dolphins make the playoffs for the first time since 2008. No shame in losing to the Steelers in the first round, especially after what the Dolphins accomplished with so many injuries. I mean, if you just look at the roster and who was on injury reserve, who was on the injury report, you start with the offense. You got Mike Pouncey out. You had Tunsil and Albert miss quite a few games this season. You had Devontae Parker miss quite a few games. Running back Jay Ajayi obviously an absolute beast, one of the best now in the NFL, but he wasn't the starter Arian Foster was. You had him injured, so the Dolphins kind of lost their plans with that. Um, go over to the defensive side of the football. Your linebackers, Koa Misi, is out. Jelani Jenkins is in many games. Byron Max was out for the last few weeks of the season. Rashad Jones and Issa abdul Kudis are out for the season. Just a you know, ton of injuries that the Dolphins had to continuously fight back from. And, of course, I can't not mention Ryan Tannehill your starting quarterback. When your starting quarterback goes down, you don't expect to win football games. But Matt Moore led this team to the playoffs. 
but we saw against the Steelers why he's a backup. You get enough film on him, you can figure everything out. And that's exactly what happens when there's no shame in it. The Dolphins will come back bigger and better than ever, which leads me to our next and final point. 2008, Tony Sperano led his team to the playoffs. Went from worst to first. 2016, Adam Gase leads the Dolphins to the playoffs. From one of the worst teams in the NFL to a playoff team. And immediately, and righteously so, the reaction on social media and through other mediums on the internet, the talk has been, well, what's different? Why should we be excited when the same thing happened in 2008 and we saw what happened there? But here's why you should be excited. In 2008, the Dolphins went on a gimmick off called the Wildcat. 2008, the Dolphins won the AFC East because the Patriots lost Tom Brady for the season. In 2008, the Dolphins won they had a quarterback named Pat Pennington, who was one of the most accurate passers in NFL history, and I think the most accurate passer in Dolphins history. Chad Pennington was the starter over a rookie named Chad Henney, who no one really knew about. And when Chad Pennington left after the season, which we all know would happen, no one expected Chad Henney to be as bad as he was. It's not that Chad Henney was terrible. He just wasn't good enough. So you had a uh, second-year quarterback who no one had ever seen him really play in the regular season. You had a gimmick offense. You had a quarterback who dropped in your lap in June. And you had no Tom Brady. Adam Gase did what he did with this team, with all those injuries I just mentioned, with an established starting quarterback, with an established offense and a real offense and not a gimmick one, with Tom Brady division, the AFC pretty much at full strength throughout the entire season with just teams beating each other up. And Adam Gase, of course, is light years ahead of Tony Sperano in terms of roster management, in terms of game planning, in terms of scheming, in terms of really knowing what's going on throughout the game. Remember, Tony Sperano was an offensive line coach from Dallas and came straight into Miami, never called a play in his life, really had trouble putting together a staff that was really Bill Parcell's staff through his connections. Adam Gase is just light years ahead of Tony Sperano and that team. And you should have all the confidence in the world. This is a strong foundation, and the Dolphins are only going to continue to get better. Sutton, do you share those thoughts with me? Totally agreed with you. It's a completely different mindset. And I was so deep in the beginning of the show that I ended up ending answering the question at the end of the show. And that was that we – just made the playoffs with the youngest NFL head coach that there is right now. And his resume is way more established in a short, shorter amount of time than Tony Sperano's ever was. So it's on our side right now. The momentum is on our side compared to what we were feeling in 2008. And I'm sure we all felt amazing in 2008. Trust me, I was there. Uh, oh, yeah. that Greg Camarillo game in 2007. I mean, and then to go into that following season and go 11-5 and five and have the biggest turnaround in NFL history, make the playoffs, and then we ended up getting smashed by Baltimore. I mean, that was a terrific feeling just in and of itself. But I agree that it feels completely different this time around. It seems more strategic. It seems more uh, conscientious, and it just – it seems like we we have a path going forward that there's actually uh, 
as uh, Joe put on the Finsider. Uh, it seems like there's light at the end of the tunnel that we didn't realize that was there before. So it's just a, a blessing to be a part of this team going forward because I think that we can actually uh, build one of these um, empires, so to speak. And it's nice to no, have that thought, at least have that thought for an off season. I'm not saying that will actually happen, but it's nice to have that thought at least going forward. Yeah, so how uh, we are in a private chat on Twitter, uh, me, you, and several other Dolphins fans who played in a fantasy football this year, and that conversation has continued on throughout the entire season. And we had a pretty heated debate about this the other day, and uh, some of our Twitter friends got really mad at me and, and a little bit of you because you were kind of on my side there, which I thank you for. Uh, so I, I know you share the same thoughts, but just let our listeners know what your thought process is with that. Yeah, like like both of you have said, I mean, nothing against Sperano, but in my opinion, he's, I mean, he was he was an offensive line coach. I mean, he was great at what he did, but I mean, when it all comes down to, I mean, where would have we been without the Wildcat that year? I mean, I don't know how many games we may have won. And looking back on it, it was a bit of a gimmicky offense. I mean, we used trickery to win some of those games, and I mean, we relied heavily on Ricky Williams, who could be one of the, the better running backs of our time. So, I mean, for me to, to compare the two and to, to think that anyone would even think Tony Sperano is even on the same level as Adam Gase, it, it was just baffling to me. I mean, Adam Gase, he's an offensive mastermind, like we said. I mean, what he's done with quarterbacks throughout his head career as coach in coaching, I mean, it you've seen everywhere he goes, he just continues to make the team better. And to have him come here and just change the culture in one season and to, to do what the Dolphins did, I mean, we said at the beginning of the year, and we'll say it again, we came into this year thinking we would win, what, seven, maybe eight games, and that was if it was a good year. And, and what he did to this team and what he got, what he turned Ryan Tannehill into. I mean, throughout the year, we, we all had our ups and downs on him. But at the end of the day, he's a pretty damn good quarterback. And a lot of that has to do with coaching and a lot of that has to do with the schemes. And I think what, what Adam Gase has done here is uh, he's, he's done wonders. And I think uh, the team that we have going forward is, is a hell of a lot better than the team that Sperano had uh, heading into the 2009 season. All right, so I'm glad we're all on the same page with that, and I think we'll we'll all see that. I did try to get John Denny on our show, and you might laugh, but John Denny was on the playoff team in 2008, and of course now in this year, and we were wanting his thoughts on what's different between then and now, and if he thinks that success can continue. Unfortunately, um, they have left for the off season as of yesterday afternoon, so they are unavailable. But I do promise you, and the Dolphins public relations department promised me that once the players return back from the offseason and start their uh, activities again, um, they will get us John Denny. So give us a few months when they return. We will, John, and we will talk about the difference, you know, between these two teams and, and really what is going to be different this time around. All right, before we let you go, I just want to run down a few important NFL dates that you should be aware of coming up um, now that the Dolphins season is over. Of course, you have the divisional playoffs this coming weekend. January 16th is the deadline for college players that are underclassmen to declare for the NFL draft. January 21st, the East-West Shrine game for college players. January 22nd, the uh, conference championship games. January 28th is the Senior Bowl, which is all the college players, you know, the really good ones come together to play and uh, is the first official scouting um, event there is leading up to the draft as far as 2017 goes. The 29th is the Pro Bowl of January. 
Uh, February 5th, of course, is the Super Bowl. February 15th, the team's going to start designated franchise or transition players. February 28th through March 6th is combine timing and testing at Lucas Oil Stadium. March 7th, 9th is the legal tampering period for free agency. March 9th at 4 p.m., free agency officially begins. Of course, you can players then. The NFL draft April 27th through April 29th. All right, boys and girls, thank you for joining us this season on Finside Radio with a brand-new crew that we started back in July. We've had a lot of fun. We've evolved over the past several months. We have come to know who you are, our regulars, and we have, we have grown to like most of you. Um, someone like Alpha or Daytona Dolphin who calls – was it Daytona Dolphin who calls in high all the time? Or is that um, someone else? No, you're talking about Dolphin fan for life. That's right. We haven't heard Daytona Dolphin is more of the liquid variety. Yeah, I hope he's okay because we haven't heard from him in a while. But uh, guys like Alpha, we don't really <laughs> like a lot. Um, other guys we do love. Uh, Bob, we used to like too, but we no longer like <laughs> Joe, Joe's been talking to us all night. I'm sure he's just fine. He's probably on his, like, his third beer or something. There's nothing to be alarmed. Okay. All right. I, I hope I hope we do get, you know, confirmation that everything is okay. Uh, really quick, <laughs> any word on Ajayi's shoulder? No, there's no word on Ajayi's shoulder. He'll be just fine. All right. So, no, we do thank you. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, we'll be going to 30 minutes starting next week. As we get closer to the uh, free agency, we'll jump back to 45 to 60 minutes. But, you know, there's really not much to talk about in the offseason, but we will still be here for you guys to talk to us while your wives are sleeping or your children, or you're just sitting there drinking your beer and wanting an excuse to talk Dolphins football every week, all year round. So for Sutton and for House, I am MC Money. We thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.